0: I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. I've entitled the message, They Know Not What They Do. They know not what they do. Of course, that's a partial uh, taking out of what Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We've been talking for many, many weeks about the fact that Jesus is alive. We've gone through the cross and we went to the resurrection and the tomb. And then the 40 days that Jesus uh, lived here on earth, as he told the folks, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit now and I'm going to live in you. I'm going back to the Father. I've got another big assignment that's coming. I'm going to come back to the earth. I'm going to rapture my family. I'm going to bring them out of the mess they're going to be in. But in the meantime, those that are alive, that are my kids, I want to live in your life. And I want to be your provider, your protector, your comforter. I want you to know that I'm there and I want to try to lead you in all truth. I will not withhold any good thing from you, but I'm leaving you there for a purpose. And that purpose is that you spread the gospel and that word means good news to the world. And when the world has heard it, then I'm coming back again. But as the world hears it, they need to see it. I want the world to see me after I'm gone. And the way that they're going to see me is for me to live through you that are my children. And so you will obey the Father as I've obeyed the Father and as I am so you're to be in this life. And so that's where we are right now. And that's where we pick up the story. Now, the church was established and that was to to be the, the spot from which that's the hub of the wheel, so to speak, as the gospel would go out. It's his church. He chose a church. He chose to organize it like he did. And it remains until this day and will remain until the true church will until the Lord comes back again. Well, it wasn't long after the church began to form. And we've taken you through the numbers, you know, from 11 to 120 to 500 to 3,000 to 5,000 people. Things were growing. Churches were started. But can you imagine the church came up with a problem? And that problem was was that there was a bunch of wonderful ladies, the widows and orphans, uh, I mean the widows, that needed to be taken care of. And so they set aside some of the apostles uh, to do that, called them deacons, but they were to make sure that the widows, who are very special to the Lord, the widows and orphans, have always been special in the Scriptures. Old and New Testament were taken care of. But problems came, deceitful, two people, a husband and his wife, very prominent in the church, very blessed in the church. But they made a statement and lied to the Lord, and they kind of kind of bring it home. They had two services. One of the members of the family came to the first service, another one came to the later service. But the one came to the first service and lied to God and dropped dead at the church. So they carried that one out the door. Then they had the second service and the maid came forward. She lied to the Lord. And she dropped dead. And they carried her to bury her with her husband. Now, that, I'm not expecting that to happen today now. All right. But I, I'm just trying to set up this where we are. What I'm telling you is people begin to shake their hand. What in the world is going on around here? I don't understand. What's going on in our government? What's going on in the church? What's going on in our town? What's going on in our family? What's going on? So that's where we're going to pick up the story. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul uh, wrote to a church in Corinth. Now, Paul was, and I'll get to this in just a minute, his name was Saul. Now, this is very important for this message to un, for you to understand why I'm preaching it and how it affects you and me. Saul was one of the meanest people that ever lived before he met Jesus. One day, by the providence will of God, God looked at this man and some way, That we'll know only when we get to heaven, he picked out that man to be the man that he would come into his life, and everybody knew him. Everybody knew how bad he was. Everybody knew how uh, little sympathy he had for everything. And he came into that man's life and knocked him to the ground as he was going to kill Christians. He was blinded, he could not see. And God spoke to him and asked him a question. Saul, why are you doing what you're doing? I got something else for you. And He told him where to go. That man, that executioner of Christians wrote the majority of the New Testament. God used him to be who he would flow his spirit to teach us even today. So as these churches were around, this man, not a seminary graduate, not a man, his mother and daddy were godly people, but a Christian murderer started influencing the church. Not with his theology, but with his personal testimony. And his evidence by the life that he lived that was completely changed. And everybody that knew Saul knew well something had happened to him. Well, his name was changed. And his name became Paul, the Apostle Paul. So let's read in 1 Corinthians 15. You can watch it on the screen. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. Or if you have your iPhone, whatever, uh, look to the scripture. This is Paul writing of the resurrected Christ. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. Now this is him writing to a church. By which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, I just told you the story there, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, the Old Testament was fulfilled, and that he was buried, then he rose on the third day, according to the Scriptures. He keeps referring back uh, to that. Then he was seen by Cephas, then by the 12 apostles, And that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Some have already died. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. But listen to verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God... Let me stop there. If you're a brand-new believer or if you don't know what that word grace means, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. He said, God, save me, pick me up out of the sewer... But he didn't waste his time. It's not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so you believe. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how, shall, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no res- resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen... Then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we're found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you're in your sin. And then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only... We have hope in Christ. We're of all men most miserable. But now, listen to the conclusion is Christ risen from the dead? He's become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Jesus, the man in the flesh, through his resurrection, life came. For as in Adam all died, even so in Jesus Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards, They are Christ at his coming. Now think about that. Now here's the story real quickly. Satan got after Jesus in the flesh and thought he was winning. Took him all the way to the cross. He was nailed on the cross. He died on the cross And Satan, dealing with the Son of Man, when you see the Son of Man in the Scriptures, he's talking about Jesus. He felt like that if that would end it, he he was going to win. But when the Son of Man on Friday became obviously the Son of God, God in the flesh on Sunday, Satan began to tremble. He had not won. Jesus is alive. He didn't kill him. He's not a historical Christian figure that has died. He's God. Nobody ever rose from the grave. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, no one, not Confucius, Jesus, he's the name above every name. He's risen. Now, any religious leader the devil can handle or any religious person Unless that religious person has a living, resurrected God and the person of the Holy Spirit living in them. And when that happens, the grave, the death has no victory. The grave has no no sting or vice versa on that. But you know what I'm saying? They don't win. We're alive. We're going to live forever. Satan can't handle that. He can't handle that. So here's what he does. He starts making people believe that religion and a relationship are the same thing and they're not he begins to put binders on the eyes because you see you can study all the bible you want to study and believe every bit of it from cover to cover but if you've not invited the author into your life you have no power at all because you have knowledge of the scripture That's not a put down of the knowledge of the scripture, but you got to know the author to get the power. You understand? Now, when that happens, the devil has no control of you anymore. All you know to do is when the devil attacks you, you say, Lord, I ain't got time to fool this guy. He's messing with me all the time. You handle him. I got a job to do. You've got an assignment for me. I got a friend. I got to go tell about you. You handle him. And, uh, you know, we'll get back together later in the day at our prayer time. Now, that's a big difference, folks, is what's happening around our, our world. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, salvation was open to everybody. Everybody now could be saved. It wasn't about the money. It wasn't about where they were born. It wasn't about what they'd done in the past. Everybody, whosoever will is the Bible word, that believes on the name of the Lord, the Scripture says, shall be saved our lord through the holy spirit can now impart his life in us because he lives in us we're able to go against the evil one and win every single time but our head knowledge or our convictions of knowledge if it if we stand only on that our beliefs will mock us unless there is a change within us. Because what we start doing is we start running around with our Bibles wanting to argue the scripture when the person that you're arguing with sees no evidence that God is in your life. But when he sees that God is in your life, he listens to what you have to talk. It'll just be a mockery. Nothing has any power up here to overcome sin in your life. It comes from here. You've got to get it out of here into here. Christ in us is the hope of glory is what the scripture says. Now, when Christ is in us, the Holy Holy Spirit is the one who makes experientially uh, God real in our life. That what Jesus did for us, now he comes to live in us. So now this begins to all come together. But the paramount need of every individual is to deal with your sin by crucifying it and then receive unto your mortal body the resurrected Lord Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, that's where the victory comes. You confess the sin, you invite the power in, and that power lives through you. The sufferings of Jesus were not accidents. That's what he came to do. Those who do not suffer in this life don't really have a whole lot to offer those that do. You know that? If you if one of those said, you know, I just got born again, lived happily ever after, and you've never had a problem, you're probably not going to be able to help too many people. But when you could do like Saul and like Jesus, they went through every kind of attack there was and won people begin to listen. They begin to listen. You see, the sufferings of Jesus were not accidents. That's what he came to do. And those of us that our mind tells us, if, if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be going through this. No, you can be a Christian and go through a crucifixion and the Father never leave you nor forsake you. So Paul said, I want to experience the fellowship of his suffering as well as a piece of his resurrection. Did you ever pray a prayer like that? I wonder how many of us that pray, whether you pray at the altar, pray at your seat, pray at home, I wonder how many of us pray that prayer. Dear God, I'm just going to ask you this week to let me suffer. You know, I've had this job for 20 years and get me fired. Lord, I'm going into this doctor's office and please let the test be positive that I got the big one so I'll have a testimony. No, no, no. no. Not too many of us do that. But you know what? Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. I've come to suffer. But it's in our weakness, the Bible says, that he is made strong. Read those first four verses again when you get time because salvation, eternal life, you know why they're easy to receive? Because the price has already been paid. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. He doesn't take MasterCard, He is the Master. You know, he, he does not care what your credit limit is, His grace is sufficient. He takes care of every Well, Paul says here he's now his name is Paul he says in verse 8 I saw him he said I'm not telling you what they saw I saw him Colossians 1 27 Christ in us is the hope of glory his former life is now gone his former life was known by everybody everybody but the day that sin was defeated by the grace of God, everybody saw a difference in his life. Everybody. No one ever came to Paul and heard him say some of these things that he recorded in Scripture and say, well, you're something to be talking. Nothing's happened in your life. You're just as mean as you ever were. You're just as stubborn as you ever were. You're just as arrogant as you ever were. No, he changed and he changed big time. His life of persecution known by everybody, but his life of being born again was seen by the same people. In Acts seven thirty-eight, this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers. The one who received the living articles to give to us, they were talking about him said, so this is the same guy. He's the one telling us all this stuff. You Remember him? Remember how he used to talk? Remember how he used to be? Look in the 8th chapter of Acts, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Whose death? Timothy's death. To, to the death of, 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 a, of, a, of a, uh, a child of God. He was watching the execution. He was there. He, he saw it. And they, and they so identified here in, in looking at it. What was going on when Stephen was stoned? It was Timothy that watched, and Saul recorded it in his scriptures. When he came to Jerusalem, people scattered all up and down, Judea and Samaria. They saw him. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc with the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. That's Saul. That's this man we're talking about. And then the final in ninth chapter, verse one, then Saul was breathing out threats against the disciples. He was telling, I'm going to kill all of you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to stone you to death. I'm going to execute you. Now, these people heard him say that. Now they're hearing him say, God changed my life. I met a living, resurrected God. This isn't religious talk. This is a new life. I've been born again. Old things have passed away. I've been forgiven and my sins have been forgotten. And people say, I I don't know about your theology, but I know one thing. You're sure different. You're sure different. There's a reason we sing, what a wonderful change in my life took place. When Jesus came into my heart and friend, if Jesus came into your heart, a change took place. If it hadn't, I don't care how many you may have been sprinkled, poured on, immersed. You may have been to every Bible study and can quote a lot of scripture. But if you haven't been born again, where God come to live in your life. That's what the resurrection is about. He's alive to live in our life. We are to be the ones that give the evidence. Now, learn something today. To use the New Testament as a proof book is just nonsense, and we'll say that again. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, research isn't going to convince you like seeing how it changes your life and the changes the life of the people that know you. So I want to ask you a question. I got two questions, and I'm through. Question number one. They're short questions, six words. Is something wrong with the world? I don't care where you're coming from. Is there something wrong? Now just think about it. I don't care what you believe. I don't care who you are. Is something wrong? Is, does it seem like that things aren't fitting together? Does it kind of look like this? Husband against wife. Parents against kids. Right against left. Whatever. Uh, let, Violence? Why? Sexual abuse? Child molesting? Physical deformations? Hatred? Destruction of the family? I was in the hill country of Texas this week, and down in South Texas for a day. Everything's having her babies. The grass is so tall, you can only see turkey heads going around. You can see the mama turkey. You see the head it looks like a frog going across the top of the grass. But they all got their babies. i am tell you what you learn right now. Take your kids out in the woods. Those little animals stay close to their mom and daddy. You know why? You know why? And they raise stubborn ones. Yes, they do. I saw a turkey it had fourteen little ones when I saw it. it. Had thirteen little ones when I left, because they were out there in the little ones. They were having fun. They were playing like little turkeys, and they were about the size of chickens. And Mama's mom was doing here they come, you know, like this. Man, where's mama? You know, mama's already, the dad's already left home, but where's mama? You know, and there's that one over there. I'm not. You think I'm going to go with mama? You think I'm going to believe what mama says? Hey, I got a friend at school. They don't, they don't obey their mom. I'm not obeying her. And here comes the hawk. <whistles> Boom. Had turkey for lunch. <laughs> now there are 13 turkeys. Because there was, most of the kids knew stick with mama. Not one. Something's wrong. There's something wrong with people. Nobody loves me like my mother and dad. No one loves you like your family. Something is wrong. Boredom. How can you get bored in this world? I can take you down a couple of freeways in Houston, and I promise you, you will not be bored. When I get to the other end, no no more boredom. Music. The lyrics of the music. Why do they have to be filthy? Why do they have to be so vulgar? Why does a comedy have to be so raunchy? Why does the internet have to be saturated but absolute garbage with the wonderful invention of the computer and the iPhone? Why can't it be used for the glory of God instead of the airways being packed with nothing but garbage, garbage? Is something wrong? That's my question. You say, no, I think that's normal. I I, I tend to disagree with you. What it takes to make people laugh. Humor is filthy. Why? Second question. Is something wrong with me? Is something wrong with you? You asked it personally. Something's wrong. I see things that are wrong in the world. When I look at my life, I think if it wasn't for the grace and the presence and the power of God, there's no telling what I'd turn out to be. One plus God is a majority. I never did like to fight. And I don't like to fight now. But I sure like to hide behind a God and let him do the fighting. (laughs) I know that he that's in me that's greater than he that's in the world. I know that he knows my need. And my sheep hear my voice, the Bible says. We can talk together. We can pray together. We can walk together. What's the secret? The resurrected... Living Lord left a Holy Spirit that will come into any life that says, I need help. And it's not a 90 day guarantee. It's not a three year guarantee. Or, like a used car dealer that I used to know, he guaranteed his used cars for five minutes or 200 feet, whichever came first. (laughs) It's not that kind of a guarantee. It's an eternal guarantee. Nothing is too hard for me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And when you fall down, I will pick you up and I will hold you and I will protect you. And I have given my life for you already. You don't have to ask if I give my life. For you. I've already done that. But I want to use you because the clock is turning. Brother Chuck did a masterful job last week showing what in the world is going on in the greatest nation ever happened. Nobody's been blessed like the United States of America. Yes, God we trust. Yes, yes, yes. That is a powerful part of America. There's no, we are one nation and voted by a United States Congress to put in under God. That's who we are, folks. We can't deny that. And if we walk out of that, we are absolute history. But while we worry about the nation, let's go back to the individual. We're doing it. We're doing it. Our churches, the people are leaving, having loved this present world just like they did in the days of Saul. But there was a remnant. Aren't you glad And you see a guy like Saul You say, I guess I'm not quite that mean. I don't think I'd want to get in the cage with him, you know, uh, the old Saul. But God changed his life. And as Jesus appeared after the resurrection, I'll leave you with this thought. I made a note of it in the bulletin for you because I want you to go away with this. There's 40 days in there, and he didn't do any Bible teaching. He lived his life and went around. He said, I want you to see me. I want you to see I'm risen. I want you to see... I did what the Old Testament said I'd do. Here's the living proof. I'm alive. I am risen. He went back to the people that knew him, saw him crucified, and said, I'm alive. Touch me, Thomas. Touch me. You don't think, you don't think I'm the Jesus that was crucified? Touch me. The strategy hadn't changed. Jesus is looking for us to be people that the world can come and see Jesus has touched you. You are different. I went to high school with you. I went to college with you. I used to work with you. I used to be a neighbor with you. We used to play on the same softball team. Here we go. All the stories. Something touched you. And it did. It was Jesus. 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 Do you need him in your life today? He's here. You can touch him and you'll never be the same.